This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. These guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's flagrant howls. We're hanging on by a thread here, my friend Kyle. We're, <laughs> we're hanging on by a thread. Two games left in this treacherous... I mean, there's going to be a 30 for 30 documentary about these 16 games, this daunting vaunted 16 game stretch two more games left tonight we record this on a tuesday so tonight at orlando very feisty 21 and 15 orlando team and then boston but only a half game lead for first place in the western conference so can they can they hang on i know you don't care you don't care about the number one seed at all whatsoever so you'd almost be relieved if they just like lost two in a row and were no longer the one seed i feel it yeah, and that's kind of my new rant is just kind of went off with Dane Moore the other day about what should the goal of this be because they have been in first place since November 18th and they have high expectations because they made certain transactions that make you have high expectations, but they're also exceeding anything we thought. Like we, as a collective unit, media, fans, whatever, <clears throat> thought that this team should be good this year. They've been really good. But I don't think at some point if they fall from first to second or second to third or whatever, that's a big deal. It's all about, in my opinion, we're not even, I mean, this season, we've already gone through like the highest of highs, some lows, an in-season tournament, massive trades, all this stuff. And we're not even 50% through the season. So to me, as we continue to navigate what is not only the end of this 16-game stretch, but January is the toughest month in the league. It's when the players are just worn out and tired and it's cold and travel and all that stuff. Uh, their goal should be to get a top four seed in the West because Target Center continues to be maybe one of the best arenas in the league. They're 14-2 at home, and you just want that home court advantage. You want that extra game, but I'm not going to be too concerned if they slip up and go from one to two or two to three. The Nuggets are really good. The Thunder are really good. Uh, and the bottom of the West, as it kind of solidifies in March and April, I think six, seven, and eight are all going to be kind of the same. So it's going to be more matchup based of who do you like more, who do you match up well against, and who do you yeah. want to avoid. So there's a lot of, like the I feel like it's we should put a pin in like a Western Conference discussion and circle mm-hmm. back to it later or mm-hmm. something. Uh, like the Grizzlies just lost John Morant for the year. You can for a while there it was like oh here they come okay the Grizzlies they won their first three games when Ja came back and he winds up he needs shoulder surgery from a from something that happened in practice on Saturday. Uh, so they're done. Blazers done. Uh, Spurs are done, right? Like, those teams aren't competing for the playoffs. But you still got, like, the Jazz just passed the Warriors. The Warriors are right now 12th in the Western Conference. The Lakers are hanging on for dear life. So the Western Conference, there's a lot of fun little side stories. And I'm kind of with you. If they hang on to the number one seed, awesome. If they don't, whatever. Like, it's like I think top four seed would be great. And winning a playoff series and kind of going from there would be great. Actually, let's let's start the show here. You sent me... This tweet from Jake Painting, Howls and Growls on Twitter. This is now the second Kyle Phil episode in a, in a row that we have shouted out uh, Howls and Growls underscore on Twitter. And uh, 
one of the themes here the last three weeks is how do you inject some life into the offense that isn't Anthony Edwards or Carl Anthony Towns? Is there is there a third scorer out there? Is there a trade to be made? And uh, and Jake Painting on Twitter says Wolves lineups with Troy Brown on the court and Kyle Anderson off the court have a 127.3 offensive rating, which is in the 98th percentile for all lineups, all teams across the NBA. So literally like Troy Brown Jr. plus any other four Timberwolves without Kyle Anderson on the court is one of the best offensive lineups in the NBA and a plus 16 net rating, which would be in the 99th percentile. Now, only 355 possessions, which isn't the biggest sample size, but it's also like, as Jake notes, it's not 50 possessions or 10 possessions. Do you think that as we sit here and like, I, I literally have for you like five Wolves trade ideas from Canis <laughs> Hoopas, and we've had a couple listeners send us great lists here. Is there an internal tweak here of just, hey, slow-mo, going to reduce you a little bit here. We're going to keep you away from from uh, the Troy Brown lineups. And Troy Brown, who, by the way, has only made, uh, not for lack of trying, he just hasn't played minutes. He had a DNP CD Mm -hmm. in the last game. He's only made four shots in the last nine games because they're just not really playing him. Mm -hmm. I would try this, Kyle. I would, I would, I would, I would, if I'm Chris Finch, I'm scrolling through Twitter right now. I'm bookmarking this tweet from Jake Painting, and I am trying this against Orlando tonight. I 100% agree. And there's a lot to digest there. And the thing that I keep coming back to in my, my new stance on all of this and my rant about what is the goal, if the goal is to just finish in the top four in the West, you secure home court in the first round, and maybe, you know, depending on how it breaks, maybe second round, is Let's internally analyze and audit what what we have as an organization. I heard Doogie today with you and, and Declan and Judd talk about that Shake Milton, probably a good chance maybe he's on the outs. Yeah. He's not playing. Uh, they still need a guard as we were, I think, yesterday. We're about a month away from the trade deadline. I think it's February 6th. Yep. They need another guard. They just do. I know Jordan McLaughlin has been kind of a jolt. Uh, he's been hitting a couple threes. I love the way he plays. I just don't know if he's playoff caliber type guy uh, so if you get rid of shake milton even though it's not playing you do need to get a guard back but figure out what you have internally and then you if it doesn't work then you can start to look externally i know you mentioned the memphis thing and john morant that seems like it's unrelated to the wolves i actually think it's sort of related for two reasons one uh someone tipped me off this other day but the wolves actually get the less favorable of the wizards and the grizzlies second round pick this year yeah. So Detroit gets the more favorable one. Um, so ideally, it's probably going to be Detroit gets Washington's second round pick. Minnesota gets Memphis's second round pick. That's projected to be like the fifth pick in the second round. So that's not nothing, right? Like now you're yeah. looking at you might have two picks in the top 37. And then also on the Memphis thing, if they're done now, which they're probably cooked, mm-hmm. and we start looking at trades. Now this ties into Troy Brown Jr. as a floor spacer and a volume shooter. Luke Kennard is like, well, if you are listening to this and you are sending us trade ideas, we love them. But I want to say again, do not think of anyone out there in the trade machine, on basketball reference, whatever, that has money owed to them after this season. Because the Wolves just can't do it. They can't go trade for a guy that has three years left on his contract. They need Kyle Anderson is an enticing trade piece because his money is done in June. As is, you know, I guess technically Mike Conley, but we want him to retire here. As is Shake Milton. But Luke Kennard is one of those guys. He shot 55% from three last year Dude. on like five and a half attempts. I think he's 
falling all the way down to 40%. Yeah, and he's a lefty too, which that actually would be a negative for me. I just, lefties out there, I love you, but I I just can't, it struggles for me and watching them shoot. (laughs) Uh, But like Luke Kennard would be a great idea, but to get Luke Kennard, it's going to cost you salary-wise probably Kyle and then Shake or Wendell and then maybe entice him with a second-round pick. So I don't want to, a team that has such strapped and limited assets, you can't start thinking about shopping until you see what you have in your own cupboards. And that brings it all the way back, long-winded, to Troy Brown Jr., who, as Jake very well points out, offensively, he just kind of opens a lot of things up. He was great in Jaden's absence. Jaden has not been good. Uh, I don't, I actually quit. I haven't told you this yet, but it's a personal announcement. I actually quit January 6th was a big day for me. Uh, January 6th, 2024. It I always clarify. is. I know. The last time um, it's been a big day for um, you. I stopped dry January, and I have started drinking wine again because I've seen a lot of people be like, I think they got to trade Jaden McDaniels. Uh, that He makes like $3 million this season, um, and I think he still might be hurt. So I've started drinking again based off those trade ideas, but they do need to figure out this end-of-the-bench stuff. I don't think it's ever going to be the young guys. I don't think they pack up shop on the second night of a back-to-back in Boston tomorrow on Wednesday and and give Leonard Miller a try. So if the young guys are not part of the plan, at least see what you got with Shake, see what you got with Troy Brown Jr. And if Finch doesn't trust them or they don't solidify themselves in rotation, then you can move them. So the, I don't know. The, did I answer the, your question? Yeah, no. Well, uh, the the Luke Kennard thing is, is really interesting because He'd be up great. until yesterday, there's really no way. Like, I think up until yesterday, despite where they're at in the standings, Memphis was full steam ahead. Mm-hmm. We've got Ja back. We've we've kind of, I mean it's not perfect yet, but they they were going to keep getting healthier and they were going to make a run to the play in right. That would have been their goal: try and catch the Lakers or whoever, the Rockets or somebody. But now that Ja is out, we saw the way that team played without Ja Morant, and it was one of the three or four worst. There was like the Pistons bad, and then there's like Washington bad, and maybe yep. Spurs bad, and and Memphis was right above that without Ja Morant. So we had a listener here. This is what I love. I love the listeners of Flagrant Howls, man. You yes, guys are just shout it to you. Just the the best. You're so much smarter than we are. Like you do research for the show that we just. Oh, this is great. I never would have been able to do this. So Jeff Platner at J to the Vizzo on Twitter. Oh, that's a good one. He sent us this over the weekend. Went through the exercise of looking at eight to fifteen million dollar players mm. with nothing on the books after this season or team options that you could flush if you needed to. Because that's kind of when you look at the Timberwolves and what they have available to trade just salary wise, because mm-hmm. they're over the cap, you, you have to come close to matching salaries in a trade or come within 25% on either side. And so, really, like you're not trading Gobert, you're not, I don't care what people say, you're not trading Carl Anthony Towns in season. You're not, if, if you're trying to get better offensively, I'm trying to find a math equation where you trade Carl Anthony Towns. And like the net return is a better offense and a better mm-hmm. overall team in season. I wouldn't upset that. So, not, and you're not trading Anthony Edwards to your point. Jade McDaniels, we, we can have a conversation about him in a second. Like, the really, there's like three players on the team that you would trade Kyle Anderson, who makes about $10 million, expiring contract. Uh, Shake Milton, $5 million, team option. You could get out from out of that if you want to. And then like other guys who make less. So, Really, you, you're, you're talking about packaging the expiring contract of Kyle Anderson, $10 million, with like a Shake Milton 5 and then mm-hmm. like early second round, like whatever other assets you would need to. So you can't, 
really like the eight to fifteen million dollar salary range for players that would come back. Like that, those are the only players you could really get back in a trade, right? Mm-hmm. And then they can't have money on the books for next year because you're trying to go backwards in terms of your cap situation, not add more money. And his list starts with Gary Trent Jr. in Toronto at 18.5. Luke Kennard, mm-hmm. who I think would have been off limits on Saturday, and now he's probably likely to get traded, I would think, if Memphis can get some I would assets. say, liter- yeah, likely. He's an expiring contract, and they're probably in asset management yep. mode now. Reggie Bullock in Houston. Tyus Jones in Washington, we've talked about a bunch. Could solve 0% some chance. I just want to get 0% think chance. So? 0% chance. I get it. He played here. He's from here. Would look sexy again in a, in a Timberwolves uniform. I could probably get the Photoshop of that one ready quick. Uh, if it was, if the Wolves and the Wizards were the only two teams in the league, I think the Minnesota Timberwolves would acquire Tyus Jones. However, there are a lot of other teams that need a point guard. Some of them in the playoff hunt that need a starting point guard, and they just have more money than you. Like they just they can, if the if the Wolves call the Wizards and like, would you take Kyle Anderson, Shake Milton, maybe one of our young guys like Josh Minot, and an early and second, an early second, and then like, you know, whoever the GM is there is like, hey, hold on, this other team's calling me, the, the Thunder are calling me for shits and giggles, and they're like, here's two first round picks. It's like, oh, I think they're just going to take that. So yeah. the highest thing to me is a zero percent chance, as good as the fit would be, not going to happen. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Doug McDermott in San Antonio, $13.7 million. I will say San Ant- he's like in his early 30s. He doesn't fit the window for what mm-hmm. San Antonio is doing. He's an expiring contract. He almost certainly gets traded. If you're looking for the exact opposite player of Kyle Anderson, let me introduce you to Doug McDermott, who plays <laughs> zero defense yep. at all whatsoever. And, and the Spurs know that too. But he's one of the best sniper three-point shooters in the league. He would come in and he could microwave like, three or four three-point makes, get hot. He could just, like, win the third quarter for you in any given game, but you'd have to be really careful on defense. He's not a guy that you would be playing, like, 25 minutes. He's probably a guy you would play for, like, 15 minutes. Yep. So, again, it's like, how much do you want to rob from your defensive identity to put an exclusively offensive and three-point shooter on the court? But I could see Doug McDermott making, making this team better offensively. Yeah, and I was trying to find this on my phone. Someone also sent us a list, I think it was on Bleacher Report, of potential buyout guys. That's weird because the Minnesota Timberwolves usually aren't in that market because they usually are not good at basketball. But now as a team that's still first in the West almost two months in a row, uh, you might not get what you want in the trade market, but then you can just go recruit a buyout guy, and that's like the best of the best, right? Because you don't have to give up any of your limited at assets to get him so some names that are out there, i mean doug mcdermott would be one um reggie but i mean these guys that if they can't find a trade deal they'll just buy them out and then those guys can sign with anyone they want but um like monty morris maybe i mean there's oh and, I, and i've seen I, monty I, morris he's been, since, he's been out all year with the quad and he's gonna miss at least another month but he he, he, he has been ramping intrigued. up though i saw in like uh real good research i thought on instagram stories that he's he's back in the back in the <laughs> men so monty morris on instagram so and so but you know there's could be a lot of guys that you just like i can't believe that guy was a buyout candidate so doug mcdermott would definitely qualify reggie bullock would qualify gordon hayward just there will probably be offensive players that you can acquire but this all comes back to me phil i think you did a really good job of outlining how this works and the numbers and stuff does finch does tim Connolly? does anyone in that organization are they a comfortable pulling like the string on Kyle Anderson? Because as limited as he's been offensively and Jake, 
highlights it with his his numbers and his stats. He there's a case to be made on nights that he's the second best defender on this team, and you know obviously Rudy and Jaden have high watermarks, and so does Nikhil, but. Kyle is really good in their pick and roll defense. He was good again against Dallas. So I don't know. And Finch loves him. And I think Finch does have a big say in some of this stuff. So yeah, Kyle Anderson back to Memphis. Maybe they just need someone familiar to to make themselves smile now that their season has gone down the toilet. But uh, Kyle Anderson, Shake Milton for Lou Kennard does work. It The money does balance. Um, but we'll have to see if, if Kyle Anderson is the big one, not because he is the problem, I want to stress that it's just he's the best option to send out. Mike Conley is someone we should mention too, is also on an expiring contract. Makes, I don't, what does Mike make? 10, 12 million, whatever. But they're probably going to do everything they can to make sure he resigns and retires here. So it's it's complicated. But as Doogie kind of pointed out earlier today with you and, and Judd, I would be shocked if they don't do something because yeah. as good as they are at 25 and 10, still first in the West. They have a hole, and that is at a scoring position, a guard position. And I don't think it's going to be Wendell. I don't think it's going to be Shake. So you got to go find someone. It's Mackie here. And a shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples even. So I am an allergy sufferer, and it's uh, it's rough sometimes with stuffy, runny nose. For me, it can be like dry, scratchy eyes, throat, even just feeling tired. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. Are you ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief. Just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D or ask for Claritin D at your pharmacy counter. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. That's Claritin.com. Use as directed. You know, it would be it would be great if let's have the Jade McDaniels conversation here because I think a lot of a lot of why the Wolves feel so shorthanded. There's I think that I would say the three main reasons why the Wolves feel so and are so shorthanded, despite still being the number one team in the Western Conference, which shows you how great their best players are. Kyle Anderson not being the same guy he was not. He's never been a great shooter or a a volume shooter, but he's not like even that partial part of his game is kind of gone. We see the numbers offensively when he's on the court. It's bad. So like we talked about him, I thought Shake Milton was going to be much more than just a guy you stash as Mm a a did not play coach's decision every night. I mean, there was games in, in Philadelphia where he would come in and it's like, hey, man, you're uh, you're the ball handler tonight. You're with the starting unit and he's putting up 20, 25 points like he was a catalyst at times for the Sixers off the bench. But then there was times where I think he got benched in the playoffs for stretches, too. So he like really ebbs and flows with confidence and consistency. I'd like to see him. I'd like to see them try with him one more time because maybe it clicks. But the third reason why they feel shorthanded is because Jaden McDaniels has taken a step back in some areas this year. And I know you are the number one Jaden McDaniels <laughs> fan on the planet. I have also stand for Jaden McDaniels. My biggest worry when they signed him to that contract was you're kind of paying for what you hope he can become. Mm-hmm. And he's he's still a great on-ball perimeter defender. Like the guy is... Like, end of the game, who's going to guard the other team's best player and get a hand in their face? Like, it's him. And that's that's going to continue. 
But dude, like he has taken a step back. So just like in some of these categories, scoring, which wasn't really all that high for him last year, is 12 points a game in 30 and a half minutes. He's gone back to 10 points a game. Uh, his three-point percentage has regressed from 40% to 35%. Uh, he's His free throw attempts have been cut in half from two, which was not very many, down to one. And his rebounding, which was about four rebounds per game in his first three years, he's only rebounding two rebounds a game. So, like, all these other things that you're kind of hoping would take a step forward. But then it's funny. When you look at, like, if you go and just see, okay, why doesn't he score more points? Why doesn't he take more shots? Chris Finch was asked this question a couple days ago, and Finch said, someone's got to throw him the ball. Yeah. <laughs> We're not running plays for him, really, so someone's got to pass him the ball. And, dude, I'm pulling up, like, I'm on basketball reference. I'm, 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 and I'm trying to dig deep. Like, why is he, is there, like, a confidence issue here? Is Is he, like... If you look at his shot chart on the season, so he, he's down in three-pointers, I said 40% mm-hmm. down to 35, but that's still like around league average. Like he's not terrible from three. From point-blank layup range, he's shooting 76%, which is above league average from that point. From three to 16 feet, he's shooting 55%. Mm-hmm. So when he shoots, he's efficient. He's actually one of the most efficient scorers on on a per shot basis, like effective field goal percentage on the team. He's either just not being aggressive enough. He's being too much of a wallflower or they're ignoring him for the 30 minutes. He's on the court. So I don't know, but I feel like he should be, I think he could be your third scoring option on many nights like Nas Reed, sometimes Jaden McDaniels. And he just really hasn't been. The same reason that people would want to trade Carl because they know that his contract balloons next year and you don't want to pay him $70 million is the like antithesis of why you wouldn't trade. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't trade Jaden because Jaden Mc, McDaniels makes less money this year than Troy Brown Jr. Mm-hmm. Jaden McDaniels makes less this year than his brother Jalen makes. Like that's crazy. So if you're going to trade Jaden McDaniels this year because you've had enough of a 27 game sample size instead of the 202 game sample size his first three years when he was one of the best defenders under 25 in the league uh you're have fun finding a guy who's going to be better long term than the guy at least for this year making three million dollars so he was horrendous as a like you said the number one fan of him he was horrendous against dallas and if he makes i think it was one for ten for two points if he makes three for ten they probably win that game they were up 106 100 with 353 left and then they were outscored i believe 15 to 2 in that final stretch they were um, his defense is still otherworldly, but yeah, he does need to score a little more and might sound like coping or making excuses. I just, there are times he should be the third scorer in certain things, but also when he starts, he's the fifth option. Like he is very, very much the fifth scoring option behind Rudy Gobert. That's not really up for debate. It's, it's obviously Ant, it's Carl, it's kind of Mike or Mike and Rudy three, four kind of in their pick and roll stuff. And then it's Jaden. So I, can we maybe just say, as someone else who is nursing a bum ankle right now from pickup, uh, that maybe he's just not healthy and we just don't know? That sounds like an excuse again, but it's been, I don't know, it's just been 27 games and I think 10 of them have been kind of bad. But that's another reason why it's like, okay, if I'm Finch and I'm so pro Finch, but it's like if Jaden's just have it, just play Jaden seven less minutes. You know, if, if, you, if you see analytically that the defense isn't going to be affected too much. Just give Troy those minutes. Troy served admirably when he stepped in for Jaden, uh, when Jaden was out for those two or three weeks with an ankle. So 
I don't know. I, I think he has been bad. I think a lot of the guys on the team have struggled offensively. I, Finch always says Jaden's the barometer for the offense. That is true. And I don't know. I think, I think there are times, man, <laughs> if every day you hate your job, you're just like, I got to quit. I got to like Draymond. I got to retire because I can't punch people in the face anymore. Have fun continuously doing, finding new jobs. The job search sucks. The interview process is horrendous. So every time Jaden misses a corner three, if you're going to try to trade him, you're probably going to lose those trades. You're not going to find adequate value and a running mate for your best player, right? Like Jaden's still 23. So I think he's been bad. I think he's been terrible. I think he should get, you know, ripped apart. But I think you can also be like, I'm excited to watch him suit up tonight against the Magic. Yeah. If, and for the record, I I think it would be foolish to trade him. Like this is the this is the mistake just, yeah. dumb front offices would make, which is, oh, this player is underperforming. Let's trade him at his lowest value for 25 cents on the dollar, and you know, go go on to the next thing. And then so yeah, I I'm with you. I, it's it's not a trade conversation at all from my perspective, but it is a. He does have to be we need better. A little, bit, yeah. little bit more. How about how about like two or three more made baskets? A little bit more aggressiveness. You know, when you look, the Wolves are doing this with a great defense and really like two organic offensive threats. And everybody else, I, I would say Nas Reed can generate more offense than maybe mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. even planned for. Uh, the rest of it is like either spot up shooting or you know if you get into a pick and roll game with Rudy for sure. And then you look at a team like the Celtics, who the Wolves are going to play tomorrow night, and They've got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, obviously, at the top of their scoring options, and that's one of the best one-two punches offensively in the entire league. And then after that, they've got Kristaps Porzingis, who's been who's been and is this season a 20 points per game guy. He's averaging 20 points per game mm-hmm. this year. Uh, they've got uh, Derek White averaging like 16 or 17 points a game. And then Drew, Drew Holiday, who's obviously like not taking as many shots as other stops in his career, but he's been a 20 point scorer for many years, like 19, 20 points a game. And he's kind of your fifth guy. So there's other teams and you could play this game with other teams too, that that just have more flexibility. If there's an injury or if one of their top guys is not clicking on a given night. Okay, cool. Like Kristaps Porzingis is going to score 28 points tonight. And I think Jaden McDaniels, maybe I'm a homer, maybe I'm crazy. I think he has that potential at some point. I legit, I'm not saying he would average 20 or 25, but I think on a given night, much like Shake Milton sometimes off the bench or in a fill-in role with the Sixers, I think he has it in his bag of scoring tricks mm-hmm. to give you 26 points <clears throat> once in a while and just be that guy. But we haven't seen it yet. Yeah, and I just... It- it sounds like excuses. I'm just trying to say that I don't think with him, it's like a light switch. I don't think you can just turn it on and off because it's so complex in the terms of like, I was always kind of down on, I wish he would just rebound more. I just wish all everyone would just pack the paint and get more defensive rebounds. Yeah. But then when you watch him play and you really kind of study it, it is not typically likely for the guy who is guarding the shooter to then get the rebound. And Jaden is consistently guarding the team's best player. So he's probably not going to get those rebounds. And now you have Rudy Gobert in the fold. You don't, Rudy had 17 rebounds against Dallas. You don't always need that and had 10. But the shot making thing, it's, it's, there's no excuses for shooting one for 10 other than just saying you had a bad night. Uh, and then also, too, the, the concept of not drawing, not running plays for him, you know? I, I don't think Finch wants Jaden to just start calling his own number all the time. So it's just kind of get yours when, when you can get yours. And he airballed a corner three against Dallas. He had a couple other really, really bad misses. He's also second in the team in assists. And I think he is, 
again, that barometer of the offense. He gets the whole, I always call it the Iowa Wolves mentality. He gets the idea of moving the ball, finding Rudy, spacing, cutting. He's, in my mind, the best cutter on the team. And like Chris Finch joked before the Dallas game, before Jaden went one for 10, sometimes you just got to pass in the basketball. And this team still has, you know, this ability to just kind of ISO and not really look for teammates. So really bad game, really bad stretch. Uh, I'm excited to see him match up tonight against like Apollo Bencaro. Uh, tomorrow, if the Wolves don't rest anyone, which I'd maybe like to talk about for a sec, he mm-hmm. uh, probably will guard Jason Tatum. So you're going to continuously throw him out there and say, as long as you don't fall out, we're going to have you playing as physical of de- defense as possible. Offensively, I'd like for him to be a little more physical and not so finesse, but it's a, it is something to monitor as well. It's just, I just can't do with the reactionary, like, trade him thing. Yeah. Stressed well, out. If, if you're getting that from Jaden McDaniel's Twitter, imagine my timeline this week with Kirk Cousins' Twitter, free agency Twitter. Mm. We should you're so back. You're so back. We- <laughs> God, dude. Uh, we should we should have a separate podcast where we just like read angry tweets from Vikings fans. That, yeah, I don't that, know if I'm take a social media clip and say well, the and, worst possible things about you. As and, a- and welcome, by the way, because <laughs> now that Viking season is officially officially over and the Twins have signed like one double A baseball player in the last six months. Uh, all the Vikings fans, I included, but I'm not siloed to one sport. I'm all Minnesota sports fans. Uh they're back now and they're watching the wolves and I've already seen some real interesting takes on that, but I don't have, I'm sorry. I don't have any time to do another podcast with you. Cause my dream would be the wolves win a title. I retire from this like Draymond green was going to do. And then I'm just going to start my own podcast called just the tip. And it's just going to be about tipping culture. And I'm just going to rant three or four days a week about what how, percentage are you at now on average restaurant? Uh, I got a crumble cookie from my wife the other day. It's a $5 cookie. And the options to tip were $2, $3 and $4. Um, the very nice person took the cookie out of the cooler, put it in a box, and gave it to me. And I thought, man, you want you want eighty percent for that. You want eighty percent for putting that cookie in a box. It so, is kind of genius with those tablets now. You can. It's like just going to uh, ask you a couple questions. I remember one questions. time, you know, single Phil Mackey about fifteen years ago, like college single Phil Mackey, thought it was clever one time to write on a little cocktail napkin <laughs> to a woman sitting across the bar. I like you. Do you like me? Yes or yes a lot. If you only give them those two options, there's no no. If you only give me the option starting at 50%, 70%, or 90% tip, then. And I am gonna... all for rewarding hard work <laughs> in the service industry. I have a good friend in Minnesota who is my favorite barista and explains things to me, you know, draws a, a wolf in the foam on my little Americano oh, or whatever. Great. I love that. But I walked into that establishment and I bought a cookie. And one of the options was, would you like to tip 80% for this cookie? And I, I had a meltdown in the car. So, uh, yeah, this, this June, coming to uh, the Score North podcast uh, brand. Just the tip. Just the tip. Yeah. I'm Kyle uh, Presented in part by our friends at AG1. I have some, uh, I have some Anthony Edwards stat porn for you. Okay, cool. And then I have a fun question from a listener that we need your thoughts on. But about six years ago, maybe actually seven years ago now, I discovered AG1 products through one of my favorite podcasts, The Tim Ferriss Show. And so now it's fun. Now we've been talking about AG1 on Purple Daily, and uh, and they want to reach some Timberwolves fans here as well. So AG, I've been using AG1, like I said, for about seven years. It's nutritional insurance to start your day. It's a foundational nutritional supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. So one scoop mixed with your water in the morning, or maybe it's an early afternoon thing for you, 
and you get 75 high-quality ingredients, important daily nutrients to jumpstart your day. Uh, The biggest things I have noticed personally are brain fog lifted, energy levels heightened, and even as a guy who's had digestive issues since I was about 10 years old, even helps with my gut health personally. Uh, If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash purple daily. That's drinkag1.com slash purple daily to check it out. Um, Also, a shout out to our friends real quick at Zero Res. So... Hmm. Uh, zero res is here. Think about how long it's been since you've deep cleaned your house, your carpets, your like all the dust mites and your air mm-hmm. ducts and stuff. <sighs> so zero res is here to deep clean your house. A 4.9 out of five star rating on Google with 17,000 reviews. Uh, you can get three rooms zero resified starting at just $119 when you ask for the score North special. Also $75 off when you get your air ducts cleaned. Uh, that's 952 zero res or ZeroResMinnesota.com. Ask for the Score North special. Say it forwards or backwards. It spells the same. Zero Res. Okay. Anthony mm. Edwards stat porn Love for that you. music. Mm. How about this? You tell me. Small sample size or officially emerging into one of the unstoppable forces in the NBA? Last 12 games for Anthony Edwards. It's around the time where he basically decided, you know what? Yeah, I got this. We don't pull it from the chamber. You know, all due respect to Kyle Anderson over here, but someone needs to score some points for this team, and it's <laughs> going to be me. Uh, so last twelve games, thirty-two point average, five rebounds, five assists, two steals, a block, on fifty percent field goals, forty-two percent from three, eighty-four percent free throws. And nine free throws per game over those last 12 games. If you took those numbers and compared them to the NBA's other stars for the season, he'd be third in scoring behind only Luka and Joel Embiid. And he'd be third in free throw attempts per game behind only Joel Embiid and Giannis. Small sample size? Or are we seeing the next, the next step, the next evolution of a great young superstar? I, I do really think it's like the next step. I saw Alan Horton had it a couple of days ago that since Christmas, Anthony Edwards leads the NBA in free throw attempts, 11.3 per game. Uh, over 60% of those have come off of drives, which is the fourth most in the league. He's getting fouled on 17.9% of those drives, highest rate in the league. For the season, his foul drawing rate on drives is up to 12.7%, second yeah. best. That just adds on to what Phil just said. Uh, I think it's a big deal. I think it's just a big deal because... Not only is that just the way to become a league-leading scorer, I mean, that's how you get into the, you flirt with 30 points a game type stuff. Um, It's the easiest shot, right, in the league, either getting to the rim and having layups and dunks or getting to the free throw line. But it also kind of clarifies, at least in my mind, and maybe I'm reaching here, but that he's not obstructed from having Rudy Gobert on the team. And that was one of the concerns when they acquired Rudy with or without the too big thing, it's just, you know, Rudy floats around the rim and he kind of runs the baseline a little bit. And can Ant still do what he does best? And so far, so good. It's the it's the occasional missed call where he immediately claps that is the complete opposite that you have to get away from. I, Dan and I did predictions before the season. I think the total fill for technical fouls was like seven and a half 
like on the yeah. season. I think he's hit that already. <laughs> so you got to get rid of that. And there is a number two coming up that starts to be suspended games and stuff. So you got to get away from that. But just in general, we've been clamoring for it since he got here. It's like no one can stay in front of you. And the best of the best always get 9, 10, 11 free throws. They shoot 80%. The Wolves as a team have been a little weird. They probably also blow that Dallas game because they shot like 63% from the free throw line. They have good free throw shooters on this team. But I love it. I love it. I Less mid-range, although he's still going to take a couple because that's just kind of where he's he the most comfortable. Them. Yep. He can, what's he at mid-range right now? Let's, 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 but, let's but the ability to take your defender off the dribble, get to the rim does benefit your ability to then get more open threes because your defender is just going to have a half step more of space or whatever the case may be. So I love it. I think it's a really important number to monitor. Uh, when we talk about this team and their best players, I should also mention Carlton Towns is having an incredible January. He's averaging 24.5 points, seven rebounds, more assists and turnovers, only three fouls, shooting 50% from the field. He's only shooting 31% from three, but... Uh, I loved, I know we're on Ant, but he took nine threes against Dallas. I think it's the seventh time he's done that since they acquired Rudy Gobert. Love that. Just keep letting him fly. I know not everyone loved the uh, after timeout play where they ran for Carl. It was kind of like a running three. I think they ran that exact same play or similar play against the Knicks, and it works. So more threes for Carl, more free throws for Ant. That's one way on top of playing Troy Brown Jr. They can help unclog this clogged stinky offense yeah by the way anthony edwards so you know he's he's shooting a career high three-point percentage almost 40 percent. this is for the season now his long two percentage is up from before the season oh, okay. it was like 33 percent career make which is terrible like it's an inefficient shot and you're not making them it's up to 41 percent this year his anywhere between like uh like you know, just inside 10 feet to 16 feet, he's over 40% for the first time in his career. And he's converting at the rim at the highest rate, 70% of his career. So literally every shot on the floor for his shot chart, he has a career high make percentage through the first like third of the season. It's pretty impressive. He, uh, he is better than James Wiseman. Pretty cool. Worked out well. There you go. Good job, Gerson Rosas. Here. Anthony Edwards, stat porn. Of the show here. If you haven't already, please click the yes. like button and the subscribe button on the Score North YouTube channel. And if you give us a five star rating and a positive review on Apple and Spotify, you can help us continue to grow this uh, awesome community of Timberwolves fans, which includes listener Tyler Gould, who sent this in. Mm. Judd and I used this for a little feedback Friday last week. I want your thoughts on his question, which is Can you guys build a starting five? and bench of players the Wolves drafted. So build out a roster with, it has to be players the Wolves drafted, not including trades on draft day. So for instance, like the Wolves didn't draft Kevin Love. Mm -hmm. They drafted OJ Mayo. Mm -hmm. The Wolves didn't draft uh, Jarrett Culver. They -hmm. drafted Cam Johnson, and then there was a swap. So if you want, you can pull up Timberwolves draft reference to just look at like all the players that they actually drafted. Can I give you my starting five and bench? And then you tell me if I'm way off base on this. Yeah. I feel like it's just going to basically be a lot of the 23, 24 Timberwolves roster, but uh, <laughs> that's what it is. Go off, yeah. gang. I did move shake Milton off cause they didn't draft him. Yeah. But, you know, uh, it's pretty close. So I just want to clarify. Yeah, they did draft this guy. 
Here's my starting five. Kevin Garnett, obviously. Carl Anthony Towns. And completing the trifecta of seven-foot unicorns, Lowry Markkinen. The, okay. the, the Wolves drafted Lowry Markkinen in, in 2017. This was after like they agreed on a Jimmy Butler trade. Uh huh. So, but they made the selection on behalf. I believe it was on behalf of Chicago, right? Okay. He was the seventh pick. But they draft they like Lowry Markkinen. I'm pretty sure put a Timberwolves hat on that night at the NBA draft. So he oh. counts in this exercise. Okay, I love this now. I'm totally in. So yeah, you probably have to pull up a list because some of it, like the Wolves didn't draft Stephon Marbury. They drafted Ray Allen. And then they traded after the draft pick was made. So give me, give me. let's just talk about that front court for a second. I've got three seven-footers, crazy athletic. Two of them are 40% three-point shooters. And then Kevin Garnett can make some long shots too. Uh, defense optional with Laurie Markkinen and sometimes Cat. And then my uh, my guards are going to be Anthony Edwards, and people are going to hammer me for this, but uh, KG Towns, Markinen, Anthony Edwards, those guys all they need shots, they need open looks. So Ricky Rubio becomes yeah. my starting point guard yeah. here because he doesn't need to take a shot, right? It's a great thought exercise, and it's the sole purpose this podcast exists. <laughs> I would not have had Markinen a quick Google image search of Lori Markinen Timberwolves. Yes, he had a blue. A blue suit, which even blue on the inside, he wore a Timberwolves hat. So I would never have got that. I would have honestly said, I mean, not to be prisoner of the moment, but I probably would have said Rubio, Ant, Carl, KG, and Jaden to kind of fill out a normal team. Uh, but no, marketing way over Jaden McDaniels. Uh, but they, so they actually didn't draft Jaden McDaniels either. Oh, that's right. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I I needed more prep for this, but now I'm going to spend, I'm, I'm, I'm springing no, this on. I'm going to take the rest of my work day and just do this I'm and be on, on do not disturb. <laughs> what a, okay. So that makes sense. So then like in your Cam Johnson, Jarrett Culver hypothetical, if Cam Johnson was, was hooping, you would have been able to include him. Okay. Yep. Yep. I like that. And Cam uh, Johnson, spoiler alert, Cam Johnson did not make my, my 15. Neither did that, Ty Lawson, by the way, the Wolves drafted Ty Lawson. Oh, I loved him. Okay. So keep going. Okay. Like I so, agree. I think our, our starting fives are solidified. That's. So KG, no and really, you can fight me on, like, I don't know if this would work with three seven-footers, but KG early in his career was a small forward. You know, they would have, like, mm, a, mm-hmm. they'd have, like, uh, you know, Dean Garrett or mm-hmm. somebody else, and then they'd have, sometimes I'm pretty sure Tom Gugliotta would play the four and KG would play the three. So mm-hmm. you could put KG at the three. You could put Carl at the five, Lowry at the four. So, okay, here's my bench. Brandon Roy. You could make a case for him maybe starting to over Rubio, but he needs shots, so he's going to come off the bench. And Brandon Roy and Ray Allen are going to be my my injection of offense at guard. Wally Zerbiak, Christian Leitner, and Rashto Nesterovich make up my my second unit essentially. Okay. And then, and then the other five remaining because we're filling out fifteen total roster spots here. So the other five are Nikola Pekovic, Zach Levine. Okay, good. Pooh Richardson, mm-hmm. so early great point guard for the Wolves. Danielle Marshall, who was the fourth overall pick, they eventually sent him, I think, to Golden State for Tom Gugliotta, but he was a good, just a good stretch big man, could knock down threes. And then Doug West rounds out my roster. Yeah. Just a good Swiss Army knife guard with honorable mentions being Cam Johnson, Ty Lawson, Wayne Ellington, Luke Longley, 
and Isaiah Ryder. I it's too much of a cancer for me. I don't need Isaiah Ryder on this team. I got yeah, Ray Allen said, off the bench for God's sakes. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said Isaiah Ryder. Uh, tough, tough for uh, Matteo Spagnolo to not be on this list. I know. Did, yes. did you mention? You said a lot of you just do a lot of names in me there, and I loved it. And now I'm just literally creeping online. Did you say Tyus Jones? I did not say Tyus Jones. I, f- I, I don't know if he makes the 15. I don't think they drafted him. No, they did. I think that was a trade because he's okay, not. Okay, where does this is great podcasting here. right now? We are going to <laughs> search to see was Tyus Jones I, drafted by the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, I will say when you were going through this, <clears throat> the starting five seems unarguable. Your bench is really creative. I like the Brandon Roy selection. I was just kind of listening and making sure that Zach Levine was on that because Zach Levine probably doesn't make your starting five. But I think if you're going to say, well, maybe Brandon Roy could over like a Rubio, I think Zach Levine has, I mean, he's just become a really good player. Now, is he a winning player? All that stuff. I don't know, but he became a really good player. So did you? So they trade, they traded up for him in the draft. And remember, you can't, this is the NBA draft is so dumb like this. He was drafted by the Cavs. Good point. He was drafted. But he had it. But he, I think he had his own. I don't think he was at the draft. He had his own party in Minneapolis somewhere, and so he did. They put a Timberwolves hat on him, but they wouldn't I, do that on the stage. If I he was walking he was, up on the stage, he would have had to wear a Cavs hat. We can fact check this. I think he was hanging out, having his own draft party at the infamous my one of my favorite restaurants. Five is it five thirty eight? It no longer exists yeah, in downtown oh. Minneapolis. But we, uh, when I used to intern for the Lynx and the Wolves, we would go yes. there before games and get food, and we'd get free food, and it was great. So I think. That whole story is that after they drafted Carl, right, Flip just walked across the street to 538 and said, Tyus, pack your bags, buddy. You're moving across the street and uh, a really good draft pick. But that is a really good thought exercise. It also kind of hammers home again that, that we've been doing this for 35 years and there are just a ton of not good draft picks. Uh but that, that 6 through 10 is really interesting because it's got some big names on there. Like you said, Brandon Roy, Zach Levine, Nicole Pekovic, really great one. Uh, I'm sure Nas Reed doesn't count because he wasn't drafted. Correct. But oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess if we, if we, because he was undrafted, right? If we included undrafted players, we could make this exercise. Uh, another guy, too, I don't think he makes the cut, but they drafted Trevor Booker, who was a good role player for like, I don't know, four different teams in the Eastern Conference. I'm just going through. Their draft reference. Oh, Robbie Hummel. No love for Robbie Hummel in this exercise. Yeah, Ross makes a good point. Who comes to who comes to this team's camp but gets cut? Robbie, Robbie Hummel. Hummel. And then he then he like gets signed to do like uh, the Wolves podcast or something. Timberwolves. Are Plus, we so. are we snubbing Mario Chalmers? The Wolves drafted Mario Chalmers in two thousand eight and then flipped him right over to Miami. Yeah, that's a good one. Big shot in the college the champion, national championship game. Yeah, champion and a champion starting point guard, right? Best friend Miami. of LeBron. Uh, that's uh, sarcasm. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting one. I will just say this: this is so unrelated, but I just I'm going to get this plug in because oh, been a little Corey. up and down. Well, ooh, oh, Corey Brewer. Oh my oh, God, Corey Brewer. Corey Brewer. Uh, please, everyone, just pause the podcast. We'll click like, subscribe, uh, <laughs> update this. We Corey Brewer is one of the ten. He is one of those ten. So, so we're start- taking out. We're probably taking out. What if we? What if we took out Christian Leitner because he's kind of a cancer and put mm-hmm. him in? He, we put him. We're we, all about vibes, yeah. We probably move out Doug West or Daniel Marshall, and we just uh, we yeah we we slid Corey Brewer in there. He's Corey he's, Brewer has been. That's on me. I should have had that. One of my favorite players growing up. Um, I totally spaced on where I was going with this. Oh, I know. 
Stock's a little down right now. Uh, had some lack of defensive performances and uh, got ejected for throwing the ball into the stands. I'm pretty confident on this because I've started watching some tape. I think I think five, six years from now, when you and I do this podcast again and I'm in my 40s, Leonard Miller will be on there. You think so? Uh, it, I know he's putting up a lot of – G League – is important and there's a lot of smart people down there it's it's a combination of like pick up basketball on a saturday morning at, at your local gym com- with like when you listen to a podcast at 2x that's just what the g league is these stats are so inflated i like still what leonard miller does and i think he's gonna have a pretty big role on this team uh i know we just talked about all of the historically good timberwolves players and now i just went and down into the g league but just want to put that pin in there again. I like Leonard Miller's yeah. not going to play this year, but I like Leonard Miller as a long-term prospect for this team. I I see a lot in him. So just just honorable mention, Leonard Miller. But shout no, out I to like Corey it. Brewer. I, I'm sorry, Corey, you deserve to be on this list. That's on us. Uh, I'm trying to you find other, other guys that would show up to camp and get cut. Like Rashad McCants would probably be in camp, but wouldn't make it. And then he would yeah, just Cam like, Kardashian. Go, on a, go on a podcast and be a clown. Also, a uh, little shout out to Shane. Was it Shane Heal? He's not going to be on this list, but he does exist on Twitter. A couple thousand followers. He's a big girl dad. Uh, seems like a really nice guy. So I, I apologize. I'm just going to apologize to a bunch of people. Apologize to Shane Heal for not knowing who you were. Uh, but two points a game, but a, a noted three point. I mean, marksman. it was a little, a little bit of uh, a little bit of a drive by when you said Shane Heal is a three points three point specialist who averages two points per game. I work in finance. Just running the numbers. <laughs> just running the numbers. I uh. Two other things that I just randomly had here that have nothing to do with it. That was maybe the best outside of ranking the top 101 to 200 Timberwolves players. That was maybe the my favorite thing we've ever done. That was a good exercise right there. Um, speaking of podcasts, you and I are big Dan Levitard guys from the ESPN radio days. And now they've kind of split and done their own thing. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for something to fill the time and you're tired of listening to me, Alex Rodriguez was awesome on Levitard. Uh, really? I've not week. listened to that. South Beach Sessions. Podcast. Yeah, South yep. Beach South beach sessions uh as alex rodriguez and mark laurie as this ownership thing kind of nears the finish line and we'll probably have more details on that coming soon uh get to know your owner more uh and i just thought he came across really you know he's still for some people not a big fan favorite but i think he's done a lot of cool stuff behind the scenes for this organization he brings a breath of fresh air and just innovative thought process and, and kind of making this a modern organization, but he was really good on Levitard. Levitard's a good interviewer, so if you're looking for a podcast, uh, go check out South Beach Sessions with Levitard awesome. and A-Rod. Yeah, that's uh, that's next in my queue here. I forgot. I had that bookmark for a couple days ago. I'm glad you reminded me because it would have Also, uh, Rudy Gobert was on Austin Rivers' podcast today, and the only reason oh, I say that is because if the Wolves can't figure out this trade deadline thing, um, there's probably about six of us right now that believe in this, I'd kick the tires on Austin Rivers again. Because I think that's a guard who can play backup, who can defend, who can get his own shot. I know that's not sexy. I know that's not Tyus Jones. But again, the Wolves might find themselves in early February shopping at the dollar store and not at Louis Vuitton. And I think Austin Rivers, I would give him another chance if things don't work out. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'd, I'd like to see Jade McDaniels take a step forward and uh, the Troy Brown Jr. thing. Shout out to uh, Howls and Growls. And then we'll see where the... The trade market leads here, but yeah, great episode here. If you guys have like fun things for us to rank, either Timberwolves or literally anything else related, please send us those ideas because if that's what this podcast turns into after the first 30 minutes, then <laughs> we will we will follow you there. 
We'll follow you to random rankings. Okay, he's Kyle. I'm Phil. Thanks to Ross behind the scenes for uh, for producing this thing. This is your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast, Flagrant House.